Welcome to the Reluctant Messenger podcast, where we discuss spiritually transformative events, encounters with angels and guides, out-of-body explorations, and much more. This episode originally aired as a video on my YouTube channel. You can find links on my website at CandiceSanderson.com. Welcome to episode five in my series on dreams. My name is Candace Sanderson, and I want to welcome you back. Since recording the last episode, I have been a guest on a couple of podcasts. Guess what the topic was? Dreaming, of course. I invite you to check out Dreamtime Wisdom on YouTube for one of my interviews. This was with Tanya Berg and Catherine London. During my interview, they said they had seen my dreaming series on LinkedIn and thought maybe I would be a good guest for their podcast. When they asked me why I had started that dreaming series on on my YouTube channel, I really couldn't answer them. There wasn't anything specific, but rather it was like a nudge from the messengers. It seemed every time I turned around, people were emailing me or talking to me, asking questions about dreams. But, you know, that's quite often how guidance works. So when you get that nudge, go with it. That's what I did. During another recent episode on the Everything Imaginable podcast, host Gary Cacciolillo and I were talking about how to best connect with the non-physical. Some people want to know who their guides and angels are, but they really don't know how to go about doing that. Well, the answer can be found in dreams. You see, our guidance team is always there. It's always available. But when we are in these dense physical bodies, sometimes it's really difficult to recognize this guidance It's usually so subtle. This is where dreams came up in my interview with Gary. He asked where people could start. You know, where could they search and learn more about their guides and angels? Well, the answer is not so much about searching and looking, but instead it's just the opposite. It's being in a state that allows you to be receptive. That could be meditation. But why not use what is available to us each and every night? Our dreams. What are dreams? We know there's different types. We've already talked about visitations, where you meet someone who's passed. We've talked about precognitive dreams, where we slip into the future and we see an event that has not yet happened. And other purposes for dreams, we can use our dreams as a launch pad for exploration into the non-physical realms, into the cosmos. We can, from a dream state, hang on to the tail of a comet as it zooms by. We can explore the world beyond, galaxies beyond where we are right now. I believe that some dreams are simply a way for our body to release energy. For example, over the years, I've noticed, not always, but sometimes when I eat spicy food, 
sometimes the dreams I have that night are very different than usual. They're like usually very strange and bizarre. Is that an example of an energy release? Maybe. I want to share with you a dream that I had several years ago, and then we'll dissect it. I checked out my dream journal for the date. It was July 19th, 2008. This was the first time that I met Kelly. Kelly is a young woman who later would become my daughter-in-law. My daughter, Cassie, and I had traveled from South Florida to Nashville, Tennessee, to visit my son, her brother, Philip, and to meet his girlfriend, Kelly. I was so excited to get to know her. My son's apartment was very small, so when Kelly invited Cassie and myself to stay at her house, we loved it. We jumped at the chance, not only having a spacious place to stay for a few days, but to get to know her as well, too. Then when she graciously gave us her king-size bed to sleep in, I thought, no, 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 that's too much. We are not going to displace you. But Kelly was insistent, and we did. Kelly had one of those Tempur-Pedic memory foam mattresses. When you lie down, it feels like you are sinking in very slow motion into this delicious, restful sleep. Let me share the dream that I had that night. It was very vivid. I was in a hospital room just observing, and there were two single beds, but the bed closest to the window, I saw the, I saw a patient. I knew he was a patient. He was a male, I guess to be 35 or 36 years old, and I knew that he had cancer. Now, when I first came in, there had been another man in that first bed, that bed that was closest to the hallway, but he kept disappearing. I'd look up and it's like, oh, he's gone. The next time I turn around, it's like, oh, he's back. And he was usually just sitting and mostly talking. He didn't seem like he was a patient, but, but anyway, he kept popping in and out. In the dream, I saw a television crew. They were setting up equipment, preparing to do a story on this man with cancer. The patient kept talking about his markers being down. Then I heard, Candy, I knew that this person was not calling me, although that's my name. I looked around and I realized there's another Candy here. I saw a female nurse walking out of the room. She was holding on to an ivy pole and she was rolling it out of the room and down the hallway. As she moved down the corridor, there were things just falling and dragging behind her. The IV lines, for example, were twisted and just flopping around on the floor. When I woke, I jotted this dream down and then I went into the living room. Kelly was already up. This was the first time I really had a chance to talk with Kelly. I really didn't know much about her other than I knew she was a nurse. When I told Kelly about the dream, she started laughing and her eyes got really big. She couldn't believe what I was saying. First of all, I discovered that Kelly was working in a hospital. I knew she was a nurse, but I thought maybe she worked in the doctor's office. Not only was she working in the hospital, 
she was working on the oncology floor. So she was obviously working with people who had cancer. When I described the men that I saw, first of all, that 35 or 36-year-old man, and then the other man in the bed next to him that just kept disappearing, she told me that she had a 35-year-old male as a patient with cancer and that his markers were very low. I didn't even know that was a term used for oncology patients. This man was doing so well that the doctors and the nursing staff and his family, they were absolutely amazed. Maybe that was my brain's interpretation of the fact that his improvement was newsworthy, so much so that a TV crew was there to film his story. I don't know. But as far as the other man in the room, the one that kept disappearing, that was the patient's partner. This was a semi-private room, two hospital beds, but the census at the hospital was low and that second bed was empty. And the staff didn't mind when the partner would come in, he'd make himself at home in the second bed, you know, just sit down and talk to people coming in. Exactly what I had seen. And that's why I didn't see him as a patient. He was just hanging out talking. He didn't have any medical needs. That explains why he was popping in and out, because he was doing precisely that in real time. Now let's get to the candy part. This blew me away. When I heard the name candy in the dream, I knew, don't know how I knew, but I just knew they were not calling me. I knew it was someone else with that name. Guess what Kelly told me? Her boss, the head nurse that I saw with that IV pole, her name was Candy. First of all, I saw her as a nurse in the dream. That was true. And secondly, when she left the room with that IV pole and things were falling all over the place, that also made perfect sense to Kelly. When I told Kelly about her dragging things, she laughed again and she said that Candy had injured her arm. It was in a sling. So therefore, she was always dropping clipboards or dragging things behind because she had such limited use. She only had one arm she could really use. Remember when I went into detail about the mattress, that memory foam mattress? I can't help but laugh. It had truly lived up to its name, memory foam. Had I picked up on Kelly's memories from her memory foam mattress, it would appear so. I've had the same thing happen in other places, but without any way of supporting my findings. At a program at Monroe Institute, I had a dream that first night that was so vivid. And I was looking at this giant whiteboard, and there were all these mathematical formulas on it. Monroe Institute draws scientists, physicists to their programs. What do you bet that I was in the room where a mathematician or a physicist had just been? I bet I was. Let's extrapolate from here. It seems clear that these dreams or memories, maybe both, these non-physical ideas were released by another person, Kelly or whoever the person was at Monroe Institute. Yet, as another person, I was able to experience them. Is this not what psychics do? Are they simply picking up on the signals 
the energy patterns that reside in someone else's energy field? That might be the starting point. But from what I've learned from the messengers is that we can take this so much farther than just that first step. These energy patterns from Kelly, for example, were close to her physical body. These events had just occurred and she interacted. She was in the middle of these events while she was in the 3D. She was an active participant in the waking state. That 35-year-old man with cancer was one of her patients. Candy, the nurse, was her boss. Kelly experienced all of these. Yet when sleeping, her body released these thoughts or events in the form of energy. We know that energy cannot be destroyed, but it can change form. Kelly's memories of non-physical energy patterns were released. And those patterns, those vibrations, remained close to her long enough to allow me to perceive them in my dream. As much as we often think that we are, we are not individuals. Our physical senses make us think that we are, but we are not our physical bodies. Instead, our true essence, whatever we call that, the soul, the spirit, it exists in a field of energy. And when we expand to that field state, we are more likely to interact with other non-physical vibrations and remember them. What's the easiest way to do that? In your dreams. This is one reason why I suggested in Gary's podcast on everything imaginable, tap into your dreams to try to connect with your angels and with your spirit guides. Because when we sleep, we slip out of our 3D bodies and our energy field expands to the surrounding areas and then some. And it's in that field that we interact with whatever energy surrounds us. Empaths. Do you know anyone who's an empath? These are people who feel other people's emotions. Empaths are highly attuned to the feelings that surround them. And I dare say that each of us possess these skills to some degree. For example, have you ever walked into a silent room where two people are sitting, not conversing, just sitting? There might not be anything about their body language that would suggest it, but there's something that you know. You know they had just had a fight. They had just argued. You can feel it. There's, I don't know, a tension in the air. Let's take this farther. When many empaths go to church or to a synagogue or to a mosque or someplace that is considered sacred for them, they are often moved to tears. That's me. Every time I go into a church, it's like boo-hoo because it's the energy of these sacred places plus the energy of those who are there, the group energy, also the energy of those who have been there over the years. There is an energy imprint that continues. Unlike Kelly's imprint of the cancer patient, which was pretty short-lived, if I had been there a week later, I'm sure I would not have picked up on that. In these sacred places, these group imprints can be very long-lasting. 
When I first moved to Florida from Kentucky, I noticed when I drove to work, there was always a place in the road where I felt off. I felt I felt sad. And I'd rarely pass that area without getting a lump in my throat or having a tear or two slide from my eyes. One day, someone put up a roadside marker. It was an aha moment. It all made sense to me. This was the exact place where a father and his young child died in a car wreck. And I realized, no wonder I felt this sense of loss and sadness every time I reached that area. There was an imprint still there of their energy. It also makes me wonder whether the same thing happens in some cases of road rage. Do some people become angry for no discernible reason because of an energy imprint? I don't know, maybe. Let me bring this back to the world of dreaming. When I started viewing the world through the lens of energy, everything became logical. It made sense. The woo-woo, the, the psychic aspect, you know, the mystical reasoning, that didn't cause these strange phenomena. It wasn't anything like that. It was just energy. When I thought of Kelly's experience with her cancer patient, and then I dissected that, I reduced it to energy patterns. Then there's no longer the woo-woo. It was still fun, but it was also logical, and it made sense. When Kelly's body released those energy patterns, I thought, well, those frequencies have to go somewhere, right? Then my logical mind thought, yeah. So it would make sense that these current memories were still hanging close by. And I'm sure, you know, they dissipate over time. But this brings up something I learned through the messengers, something called recapitulation, which was a new term for me. This is a process the messengers introduced to me in September of 2014. In my first book, The Reluctant Messenger, I'm going to read this. In the chapter, I Dreamed a Dream, September 3rd, 2014. Sometimes a dream contains elements that occurred during the waking state of that day. This is because the energy packets from the events of the day Actions, interactions, thoughts, and emotions seek a niche within the energy field, preparing it for recapitulation. This occurs during the waking state and the sleep state, although most humans are not aware. Humans who are dream seeds or spirit weavers maximize the dream capitulation process. It is a part of this rearranging of the energy packets that is often observed in the dream state. For others, the energy packets are placed in a queue to be accessed during the waking state, but only awakened ones can effectively engage these processes. While the physical body sleeps, the energy body is active, arranging the events of the day into coherent patterns, including the energy of interactions and thoughts. The energy remains in place until the human reaches a state of heightened awareness when the physical body is ready to drop away as the human transitions to another dimension. Now, that actually could be when you're crossing over or 
when you are entering a state of meditation as well. Dreams occur in the timelessness of the interface where earth plane rules of physics and time do not apply. When this one recalls dreams from years ago, the details remain because of the timelessness of the interface when the dreams occurred. In my second book, The Reluctant Messenger Returns, I talk more in detail about this process of recapitulation. Recapitulation stems from native culture. It is a way of releasing your personal energy back into the universe. And by doing so, the person who's doing the releasing, it frees them to reclaim their own energy. Without going into too much detail here, the messengers have shared with me how the life review works. You know, the life review when your life flashes before your eyes when you die. People who have had near-death experiences sometimes engage in that process. But the messengers say that recapitulation process is part of that life review. We all do this or will do this when we transition. When we sleep, when we dream, we are in a natural state where recapitulation, according to the messengers, will automatically occur. It's not that major life flashing before your eyes, but the more we do now, the less of it that we'll have to do when it's time for us to cross over. Our indigenous culture recognized the benefit of recapitulating purposefully, not letting it occur only during our final transition with the life review, or even just at night when we sleep. But as we release those energy patterns, just as Kelly was releasing hers, what we're doing is releasing the past, our past. As we release that, it results in space for fresh energy to come in and help us move forward. When this happens, our history no longer dictates the future. That past is no longer draining us or controlling us. We become empowered. This was a long discussion to describe another type or another purpose of dreaming, an energy release. I used to think of energy releases in a dream as like, okay, great, you know, release your energy. Now let's get on to something that's more important. When I found out about the recapitulation process, I began to understand how important these dreams are when we release that energy. It helps bring our energy fields into a balance. And by releasing that which doesn't serve you, it clears the space to allow fresh, beautiful, empowering energy to come in and make you stronger. And this seems like a good place to stop. So I will. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I welcome you to subscribe, to share, to like, and to comment. You can always connect with me, send me an email with questions, and you can find my email address on my website at candacesanderson.com. Remember to always use kind words. Follow the wisdom of your heart. We can make our world a better place by listening to the wisdom within.
So until next time, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Reluctant Messenger. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, remember, how we use our personal energy is what defines us. Bring in those vibrations of love and gratitude and see how your life will change.